Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Chinkin. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Today, we are here with Dr. Victor B. Amoroso, Professor Emeritus at Central Mindanao University, who discovered more than a dozen new species of plants and established the herbarium of Central Mindanao, among other contributions and achievements. He uh, received his Bachelor of Science in Biology at Siliman University and his Master's and later a PhD in Botany at the University of the Philippines. Uh, mayong hapon and welcome to Tanong Tuesday, Sir Vic. Mayong hapon. You have mentioned so many things about me already. <laughs> now I am with Central Midana University here in Musan Bukidnon. Um, as uh, Professor Emeritus of this university, then I've been teaching for several years and uh, doing active uh, research for several years also. Yes, you mentioned I'm a botanist. Uh, no, uh, actually, my interest was not really in was not really in botany, because I earned, as you mentioned, I earned my bachelor of science in biology at Seliman University, wherein the curriculum was on on more on zoology, more on animals. But it happened that I was recruited here, this university, Central University, and I was told to teach botany. All subjects, uh, I had oh, more than. 24 units in a semester to teach and all botany. So, well, I had only two subjects of botany in my undergrad, general botany and and uh, plant taxonomy, three units. So each unit is only two subjects. But uh, I was taught to teach botany, so I tried my best to teach botany. And uh, after a year of teaching here at the university, I was uh, sent for scholarship at UP Diliman. You mentioned that I finished my master's and PhD at UP Diliman. There, at UP Diliman, I met the famous, uh, the only foreign expert in the Philippines by the name of uh, Priscilliano Zamora. Dr. Priscilliano Zamora was regarded as an icon in plant anatomy morphology, or the study of the insides of plants. Born in San Nicolas, Pangasinan, Dr. Zamora made contributions to the study of xylem worldwide. Xylem is plant tissue responsible for bringing water and nutrients throughout the plant. In fact, the best-known xylem is wood. So I met the well-known Priscilano Samora at UP Diliman, and he was the one who introduced me some of the ferns in the Philippines. I only learned, I only know of two or three species of ferns when I was at Seliman University, when I was young. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, now I, I focused all my, my research activities on ferns. They're expanding to other plant groups, then to animals, to people. And now my research is on biodiversity. But uh, my profession is really in the field. My interest is really in the field of botany. I'm a botanist, but uh, one, if you're a botanist, you have to specialize. Now you have to specialize on a particular group of plants. It's just like a medical doctor. Uh, if you're a medical doctor or you're a generalist, uh, you have to specialize. 
You have to be a cardiologist. You have to be an ex uh, expert on uh, kidney and so on. Just like in, in the field of botany, one has to specialize on a particular field and uh, specialize on ferns. And that is one of the strategies to be known. No? generalist when you're still young. No? Uh, you have to focus on, on a group of plants and, and you, have to, you have to be known in that field, in that group of plants. Then later on, you expand to other plant groups. Okay, so that's the, how, how I started to a botanist, uh, then turned it into an uh, expert on ferns and uh, working with other plants and uh, people and, 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 other, and other animals. Is there a name for a fern specialist? We have the term pteridologist. Pteridologist. Yeah. So, Servic, what do you love about ferns? Uh, and, and they, when I was young, parang he didn't pick up sa akin yan eh. <laughs> later on, because I was I was encouraged by my mentor, Dr. Priscilla, to work on ferns. There I started my interest. Uh, from few species to several species. Uh, you know, the Philippines has uh, almost 1,000 species. But just a handful of pteridologists in the Philippines. Only a few uh, would be interested to work or study on ferns. But almost 100 species are, are present in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm interested in ferns. Uh, first, tingnan mo yung, yung ganon. Ano yung ganon? At this point, Dr. Amoroso shapes his finger like a hook. Yun, uh, yung fern naman to recognize a fern plant is tingnan mo yung youngest leaf. No, the young pinakabata na dahon. It it coils. It forms fiddle heads. So iyan ang indicator or morpho morphological trait to identify a fern plant. Tingnan mo yung pinakabatang dahon. Pagkatapos, ang another indicator is that I-examine mo yung kung, kung mature na ang dahon in the undersurface. In the undersurface of the blade or lamina, mayroong mga tinatag nating uh, sorai. No? Sorai. Eh, yung non-botanist or non-biologist would say spores. But spores are microscopic. Hindi mo makikita yung spores through your naked eye. You have to use a mi microscope to see the spores. What you see, use your naked eye, is just a group of sporangia, which we call sori, huh? soros singular. So soros is composed of group of sporangia. And a sporangium, the sporangium is lang sa loob ang spores. So you have, you have the sporangium, and the sporangium, sporangium, that's the soros. One sporangium, examine that, inside are the spores. So the spores are dispersed to form another plant, the gametophyte. Then the gametophyte would give rise to the sporophyte through fertilization. Well, yan a life cycle ng fern. So I was intrigued on that. And not only on the life cycle, on the morphology of the plants, but also the economic values, economic uses of plants. Kukunti lang ang gamit ng plants. Akala ko noon eh, yung pakulang na kinakait ng salad. No? The common one is the Plasium esculentum. That's the common one. 
where you, wherever you are in any restaurant in the Philippines, they would serve pakong salad. Uh, uh, pako, local name, okay? And the Diplasium Esculentum is the scientific name. And one of the uses of this Diplasium Esculentum is uh, you have to prepare a salad. Kaya kung mag-serve ang sa restaurant, yan kagad ang, ang sineserve, di ba? Pakong salad. Um, that's one. But, you know, uh, hindi pala yung Diplasium Esculentum ang pinaka-best pinapromote natin yung Diplasium Esculentum kasi common siya, available all the time. But there are other species which are more nutritious, more palatable, no? uh, na hindi masyadong natap ng ibang tao. Itong species na ito na dating apat-apat, o patopat, o yan a local name, uh, scientifically known as Marsilia crinata. No? Ito Marsilia crinata, mas masarap pa pala ito kaysa Pako, Diplasium Esculentum. Our studies have shown that eh, mataas yung antioxidant activity ng opatapat o Marsila Crenata. Mataas din ang protein content than in Diplasium. No, so ito ang one example of an untapped species of edible fern. No? So, uh, siyempre kung tayo kakain, dapat iba-iba naman ang iserve, di ba? Hindi lang pako palagi o Diplasium Esculentum palagi. Mag-serve na ng Marcella Canata o Patapat. Mag-serve ng Hagnaya, no? Mag-serve Palostres. Mag-serve ng Diplicnum Orientale. Ito yung sabi ko are other species of birds na edible. So, yan ang mga kain na, na mapako. Uh, apat na na-mention ko, pero sa research namin, may sampung species. Ten species that are edible in the Philippines. Okay, but what is widely used or widely tapped is the plasma esculentum lang. So gagamitin natin yun para may diversity of food plants. E, gagamitin natin yung mga species of ferns. Are they easy Alam to mo? grow? Yeah, okay. Yung ito mga ferns, mayroong tinatawag natin na ecological requirements. Okay? Uh, in general, ang mga ferns gusto nila ng shaded place. No? Uh, medyo malimlim, shaded, tapos ang soil may moisture, a little moisture. Not, not always wet. Pero iba naman na always wet, like yung Marsilia, yung apat-apat. Always wet yun. Kasi ito makikita sa basakan, alam mo rice field. Yung rice field or basakan, yan ang ideal place for Marsilia crenata o apat-apat. Na mas masarap pa pala siya. No? Mas uh, mataas yung antioxidant activity niya. I said, mataas yung potent content niya kaysa Diplasium. Okay? Ang Diplasium naman, uh, doon sa shaded yan. Uh, shaded place, hindi masyadong mabasa, hindi, ma- hindi masyadong wet ang soil. So, depende yan sa species of, of fern ang kung saan siya makikita. Pero itong dalawa, isa sa always wet, no? sa basakan, sa rice field, ang Marsilia, ang Diplasium naman sa terrestrial na Uh, a little uh, with the with the wet uh, soil and shaded naman open so uh, i said ang species of plant is dependent on kung uh, may ecological requirements siya uh, yun lang dalawa examples ko dalawang species na na having different ecological requirements 
eh, in regards to ferns in general, is it tinood ba survey na it's one it's considered an ancient the ferns are considered ancient plants? Is that uh, the case? Actually, million years ago, nag-exist ng ferns. Uh, in fact, um, the tree ferns uh, were so abundant during the uh, million years ago, abundant yan. Uh, then mayroon tayong mga primitive uh, extinct vascular plants na itong first na lycopipes. Uh, extinct yung mga pan natin ngayon, yung mga ferns natin maliliit, tapos yung mga ibang uh, maliliit sila pa. In the past pala, may mga tree ferns. Sabi ngayon may tree ferns. Ba't ito mga tree ferns? Hindi lang tree ferns na yung tinatawag natin yung uh, it belongs to the family setia. There were tree ferns in the past na naumat extinct na sila na ab- quite abundant before. Uh, kaya source nga sila sa fossils, diba? Uh, because ito mga remnants. Uh, they have died long ago. But meron namang uh, extant no, na, na primitive ferns. Uh, in other words, uh, the surviving remnants of, uh, of the extinct ferns. Um, itong, ma- itong mga... Nalinig ko ba yung xylotom? Hindi. No, di, di xylotom or wisp fern. Ang xylotom or wisp fern... Yan ang example sa living ferns, no? Oh, living fossil ferns. Tawag kasi the ancestors, their ancestors have died in the past. Sila nabubuhay pa siya ngayon. Primitive siya uh, in a sense that uh, that uh, rootless siya. Walang roots, leafless siya. So saan ka makita ng tanim? Where do you where do you where can you see a plant? na ruthless leafless only in silotum kaya yan ang tinata ng living fossils can no? we find this uh, in the na, na yes, uh, in the wild Pilipinas? in the wild uh, in high uh, elevation more than 1000 meters um, you can you can still collect a lot of silotum silotum nodum the wisp ferns and uh, but they cannot be Kedi kan also we can also propagate uh, silotomnodum in fact it is now cultivated as ornamental plant and sold uh, highly it's quite expensive to to sell this plant also because it's uh, the branching pattern ang makikita mong branch is is purely stem walang dahon then uh, wala naman sa roots rhizome lang so that is how the plants would survive ang stem niya becomes green. It becomes photosynthetic because of the absence of the leaves. Wala naman sa roots, may rhizoids naman. So it means that uh, this plant is able to adapt to the conditions, to survive. No? Wala siyang dahon, eh, yung stem niya ginawang naging green no? to do photosynthesis. So, yung, uh, Go ahead, go ahead, Sir Vic. Sige. Okay, sige. I, given the the age, the 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 very the, as you said, Sir Vic, they've been here for a million years. I, I believe you've done research and studies also about the indigenous uses, ang mga indigenous peoples nato there is a even in Mindanao. Uh, actually, we have an ongoing projects, and even in the past I had projects involving uh, indigenous people, the si Manobos. No, there's very kinds of Manobos, no? and also the Talaan Lakes in Bukidnon. 
higaunan sa bukid noon, may manubod din sa bukid noon. It depends uh, where, where, where you are in what mountain. For example, in, uh, kung sa Mount Katangilad ka, nandiyan ang Matalaan Legs, di ba? Uh, dito, dito naman sa Mount uh, Pantaron Range, sa Bukid na pa din yan, eh, nandiyan ang mga manubo. Alam mo, uh, even ang mga doon sa Marilog Forest sa Dabao, eh, may mga IPs din doon. Alam mo, baba yung level of uh, understanding nila about about ferns. Lahat, ang kanila pako eh, yung pako lang na makain. Yung edible fern lang, the plasmus colon. Ilan yan lang alam nila. Uh, iba nila alam. So, uh, hindi alam nila na madami palang classic ferns. So, through our uh, training program, kasi sa methodology namin, research namin, we involved them no? as uh, first, parang local guide sila una. From local guide, gawin namin sa local researcher. Kasi uh, kasabay namin sila day one up to day eight. Kuminsan, two weeks kami magsasa field. So that way, you are training them. Uh, nakapacitate sila. Later on, ay, they, they were surprised. Ay, dami palang classing corns. No? Zone. Don't slowly, we tried to, to educate them on the different species of ferns, yung mga uses. At nadagdagan alam namin kasi sila din pala may alam sa yung indigenous uh, uses sa fern. So maganda kasi there's this exchange of knowledge, the indigenous and scientific knowledge. No, just galis kanila, yung indigenous knowledge kanila, saan may naman yung scientific uh, knowledge. So tuhogin natin yan, maganda yung results ng research. They're, they're learning Uh, about ferns, the use this, and not only that, but protection of uh, of the resources around them. Hindi lang ikaw, hindi lang ako, o hindi lang iba sa atin dito naging plantitas-plantitas, but they themselves, itong mga IPs, naging plantitas-plantitas na rin. Kasi kuminsan, eh, alam nila, alam nila, nila may, ah, nakakonsult cellphone na may binibinta na ganito, no? Eh, sabi nila, eh, nandito yan sa atin. So, kumukuha din sila sa forest, sa wild. At sa gabi, nabinta yung mga collections sila from the wild. Eh, hindi natin may wasan yung mga ganon na ginagawa ng mga IPs kasi kailangan din nila ng income. Pero on the other side, we have here in Sebrem, Center for Biodiversity Research and Session Minaro. Yan ang center na I, I work with, na I'm connected with Sebrem. Eh, kami, ang mandate namin sa Sebrem, is really to help protect the remaining resources in Mindanao. Yan ang one of the mandates of SEBREM. Kaya tinanong na namin itong mga IPs, how to protect, how to conserve the resources. So, ang, yung complaint nila, eh, sila daw panay protect-protect lang. Walang utilization. So, yung utilization part, yun ang ginagawa namin, tinuturoan namin sila, how to utilize and uh, and uh, parang alternative livelihood nila. And now for Dr. Amoroso's three tanong tips. Uh, one tip, one of the tips would be uh, choose a plant or a fern plant no? any, or any, any plant that is easy to grow. Diba? Yung madaling buhayin eh. Pahit eh, ka mag-grow uh, na isang plant na mahay, uh, mahirap alagaan. Okay? A plant that hindi kailangan ng yung sophisticated ecological requirements. Yung madaling 
patubuin. Yan, di ba? Uh, not only that, uh, madaling patubuin, another tip is that yung uh, may commercial value, di ba? Or may economic value para naman may income, di ba? Uh, if you grow ornamental plants, sigurado na may income ka, di ba? Uh, if you grow yung bird's nest na pakpaklawin o aspin yung needles, no? Ay, mabinta na yan. Mas more if you grow uh, yung mga highly expensive or not plus like staghorn fern staghorn fern uh, uh, platysarium grande dalang uh, species platysarium coronarium there are two species in the philippines or platysarium or staghorn ferns platysarium grande and the other one is platysarium coronarium both are very expensive but we have to be very careful on selling this one na dapat hindi galing sa wild dahil itong to plants ito are critically endangered no uh, critically endangered siya it means that if you collect the plants from the wild no oy malaki ang malaki ang, ang penalty niyan i-apply natin yung uh, RA9147 yung wildlife resources protection and conservation law na if you collect a species of plant um, considered to be threatened, no, dahil galing sa wild ha, and you're selling it, may 6 to 12 years na na imprisonment yan. 6 to 12 years imprisonment. Iyan ang, ang penalty kong threatened species. Hindi lang number of years na imprison ka, kundi may penalty pa na na pera, no? Na 100,000 to 1M. Ang laki. Maniwala ka ba niyan, Albert? Totoo yan. It's not a law. Kaya lang, there is that uh, laxity in the implementation of the law. Madaming nagbibinta ng mga critically endangered species like patiserium. No? Okay lang kung from the garden. Kung from the garden yan, pasal staghorn fern, no? Pasal yung garden na critically endangered bininta mo yan. Okay lang kung ikaw ang nagpropagate. But from the moment makita na galing yan sa bundok, galing sa forest, then yan ang implement dapat yung RA9147 na uh, na, na law. No? I-enforce yan. So, so it, oh. dapat tagkuan mga nursery na pwede ikuha mga fern? Nursery? Mga ferns? Oh. Where, where can we source ferns? Sa mga research projects namin, Albert, uh, usually we have the so-called exeto conservation. Yung exeto conservation, you collect seeds, wildlings, or spores. No? Okay, for example, ang pinag-usapan ng spores. No? Kung flowering plants and seeds. So we collect seeds, kung flowering plants and no? spores from the wild, or wildlings from the wild. Ibilagay mo yan sa isang place to put up the garden. No? Example yan ng exeto conservation. So kami, meron kaming confirm may fernery kami. University University Fernery, no? Uh, visit our our University Fernery. It's it is uh, one of its kind in the Philippines. The only in the Philippines ang fernery namin. Ayun, eh ipambog na ako kana, no? <laughs> uh, you find time visiting our fernery because our fernery was established in 2007 yet and is housing 
more than 100 species of ferns na. Uh, so, madami na. So, so pwede po, po. Mabasita ah? mo. We'll invite. Where are you? Where are you connected? Ah, nami sa Quezon City. Quezon huh? City. <laughs> Ay, Quezon, Quezon oh, City ka pala. Sa Tagalog oh. ka pala. Nagbibisahe oh. ako. Oh, pero oh. kuha na mga parente man, taga Bohol. Unya, ah, uban, taga Bohol. Ang uban mga grupo diri sa Kuan Podcast, taga Bakulod. So, ilong ah, po oh, sila. Okay, so, so oh. well, anyway, oh, find time visiting oh, our university. Pohon, no? And uh, our partnery because it has so many collections already of, of ferns in, not only in Mindanao, but other parts in the Philippines. Okay? So, doon, madami kaming, and we also have our spore and tissue culture lab. May laboratory kami. Uh, we collect spores from the wild. Pinapadami namin sa laboratory namin. So from the lab to the greenhouse to the garden. We do not deplete the population of ferns so wild. Well, we're increasing the population because we can always reintroduce the population of ferns to the wild. Balik namin sila. Or pinapadami namin sila. Kasi meron kaming mayaman kami sa sa spores. <laughs> we have the Fern Spore Bank. O may bangko kami sa mga spores dito sa Central Mindanao University. Unsaon na i-preserve? How do you, unsaon ka mo, mo store Amaya sa spores? Kaming, uh, we store the spores in in um, temperature that is low. So may frigidaire kami. May frigidaire kami uh, at lower temperature. Uh, we store all, all the spores Well, one species or one accession in a bial. So several bials in there, several species, several accessions. And we use that to propagate the indigenous endemic economic species of ferns. So So from the lab to the greenhouse, like greenhouse in Kame, then greenhouse to the fernery. But we are not yet selling. Yan ang problema. Good, mas gusto gusto mada- ng madami to buy. There is interest to buy. But we still have to secure the permit from DNR to sell. No? Kung magbinta ka magandang dapat may inventory of the, of the resources you have before you sell. So that, yan, hindi, hindi nalaman na iba. Yung iba, yung pantitis-pantitis nagbibinta sila <laughs> without uh, a permit from DNR. Diba? Kung uh, eh, Paano ma-show na all of those are propagated, not from the wild? So dapat mag-report ka sa DNR na nag-propagate ka talaga. Diba? Okay. So hopefully, Sir Vic, na pohon-pohon mm. na yung once you are ready to sell, we can invite our listeners to to purchase na mga ferns add to sa oh, oh, oh. pohon-pohon. We're preparing for that. Madami na kami. Pero mga, we can visit. You can visit you all open. the time. Yeah. Uh, you you communicate, just communicate to us so that for our attention and uh, we would entertain you as okay. uh, our our visitor sir vic okay. we one more final tip i think duha lang okay. imong nahatag the third huh? lang na nahatag ah, kag duha ka tip oh one more uh ayo and the third tip would be conversion to mass propagate your spores not the wildlings kasi yung wildlings ilan lang yan no uh, 10 20 or 50 individuals lang yan Kukunti yan. Sabi ay madami ng 50. Pero small pa din yan. But if you have the large scale production of of economic ferns, no? Kung ba? Or vegetables ba? For medicine, ornamentals, handicraft. Kasi may ferns na for handicraft. 
No, mga nito. Nito is a fern plant. So nito, madaming gamit. Baskets, mga plates. No, madaming gamit. Pulseras, diba? Bags. Madaming gamit ang nito. Fern yan. Unsay scientific name? Ligodium. There are several species of ligodium in the Philippines. But what is being used as handicraft, raw material for handicraft, would be ligodium sercenatum. Yung malaki yung stock niya. At saka yellowish. Yellowish yung at saka maging blackish. Kaya ang nito, maging black siya. From yellow, kasi from green, yellow to black yan eh. Kung mature na. Ikaw mo sa YouTube, how to do how to propagate using spores, mayroon sa YouTube na. So you can have thousands of individuals of one species na highly priced, no? Like uh, staggon fern, himalayan. Uh, thousands ang cost niyan, thousands of pesos. So if you can propagate that, those slow shot to start, no? Kasi yung staggon fern or Plasticium grande or cornario, very slow growing plants. Uh, pero you are doing thousands man those local uh, early uh, in long term madami din siyang ma-produce no the uh, slow growing siya so that was dr victor amoroso um, all the way from mindanao very obviously excited about ferns <laughs> Um, I know he got me excited. Hopefully, he got the rest of the our other katunumers excited about um, what he's been studying. I I found it really cool because we have pako, of course. Like he said, it's the most common. So we're growing pako, and I was just actually looking at them uh, last week because they died back during the summer. So they really died, and I thought, oh, I'm like, oh, I have to get new ones or whatnot. But when the rainy season started, they grew again, and now they're big. That's my babies na. So I think we started with about five to six plants. Now we have about 10, like including the small ones. So that was cool. That was when he talked about how to identify ferns by looking at the fiddle, fiddle heads, like the baby parts. That was cool. I didn't know that. Well, my comment on him really starts with faculty development or being such a great teacher and how greater mentors really turn on or switch on the capacity of their students to be really good mentors to the future generations. When you get his name, Amoroso, you know, Amor, love. He must have love for something. And you can see that he has love for his work, even though he only had two or three subjects in botany just six units in undergrad, and he was able to augment that through a PhD scholarship and build up his know-how by being exposed to a really great mentor. And I'm sure he's one of a kind there in Mindanao. I'm so happy that he's based in Mindanao. I'm so glad that he has a facility, an institute that hosts him in Mindanao because you really don't have to be in Manila all the time to show your expertise. You have to be in the area where you are so that the people around you will learn from you and your students will see that. I mean, in my field in allied health, you just really need one teacher. And if you have one teacher who can teach 
that subject really well to 100 students, you can expect those 100 students to teach it to another 100 students. And that's how infectious it is. And good education is really illuminating. Good education is really the foundation of what it is. And I really knew that he loved what he was doing. I really like that part also that, you know, he might not have the background for botany, but with the mentor, by knowing this, like, awesome mentor, meeting, meeting him and learning from him that sparked something in him, that's, that, I don't know if it happens all the time. I mean, I think maybe in the sciences, when people really build their career on a certain path, like they're really specialists, it really happens. But I guess in our, <laughs> in our field in the arts, sometimes it's hard to find also, like to have a mentor. Because it, it really depends if, because some of us are generalists more than specialists in the arts. So parang, uh, how can we even find the right mentor to, to help us, you know? spark something in us, guide us in whatever quote-unquote research topic or whatever, um, you know, path we want to build our, our skills on. Parang I, I really like that part. And thanks, Jenkins, for, for mentioning that. Um, what's the name of the, the, the mentor again? Sorry, I think I missed it. No, I didn't. Philo. Um, Dr. Prisciliano Zamora. Prisciliano Zamora. Um, it's 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 awesome that he, he he found this mentor, but he went back to Mindanao, um, and it it's really nice. Like he just turned on this, you know, being a teacher kind of tone and the way he explained that you know spores are not what yeah. it's not what you see underneath the leaves and all that. You have to have a microscope to. To look at the spores and I'm like oh my god <laughs> mind blown ako because <laughs> um, all this time I thought it was spore spores but it's actually sauride it's inside uh, and inside the sauride and how he explained it is so it's just so empowering it's he's he's such a great teacher and I think I mean we can go on and on talking about these things and I, I really appreciate that even non-scientists like us can, can understand whenever it explains all these um, concepts. So yeah, that, that was awesome. Before the call started, he, he told me that he was in a workshop and he, he apologized. He, you know, I'm, I'm going to drop out of this workshop to do this interview. Um, but you know, I, 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 he, he, was, he was excited to do it though. And then I was worried on my end. I, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to keep this short. But he, it was he himself who kept lengthening the interview. So that told that it was nice, obviously, you know, because we want to learn more. But it's also reflective of what you guys have all been mentioning. He really loves, he's really passionate about the topic, you know. Um, so how did you find him? How did you, I mean, he's someone from the academe and he's, you know, very, very specific line of study and you know, he must be really busy. How did you find him? And we're really privileged to, for, for him to spend time with us. You know, actually, that's, I, I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I've been looking for either, you know, indigenous peoples, representatives, or people in the academe. And working at an NGO, 
knowing people in academe how busy they are and how it's hard to you know i i i just felt like we 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 need to get some experts at least and so um long story short i think i found them doing a quick search of of um of experts lang i forget what i searched for um i he, he might have come up when i was looking up um he mentioned in the podcast in the interview apatapat one of the ferns um that was actually there in um the in antipolo in the um, tinto art museum and i think he came up when i was we were doing research on apatapat so if you're listening um and you haven't yet listened to the last episode um apatapat is also mentioned there i think why actually i'm not sure but it's there it's there at the pinto art museum so please do check it out two months ago i've been trying to build up this list of people in the academe so you know he was the first one to respond i've we've been actually sending email after email to all these people in the academe we have a long list and when he actually i think someone in his department replied I was just really happy, excited, and then you know he actually left his workshop to 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 join us. So we we're definitely really privileged for someone to do that for us. So Daghan Salamat Servic, I want to bring up uh, Chinkin. You brought up well, actually, I'm going to talk to Chinkin about what Servic brought up regarding specialization, and I think this is something we've talked about before since we've talked about. Um, you and your in your field, but um, maybe to remind everyone, you're you're a, a foot and ankle expert. You you specialize in in this field. So, what did you feel? There was some correlation from something someone in botany, um, and with with you with you uh, studying in medicine, and then from I guess general practice, and then thinking about what's what's specific expertise you wanted to choose i mean was that going through your mind at all or if not like how what are some of the correlations yeah it's very difficult to pinpoint a singular event that can lead to where i am now but i have to credit botany for leading me partly to the knowledge that i know now in terms of my field because when you look at a broken bone it heals like a plant so when you have a crooked tree you put splints around it and straighten it. That's what orthopedics is. Ortho means straight. And children with club foot, so that's, what, that's why it's pedic, pedia, crooked feet in kids, you straighten it. That's why it's called orthopedics. And when I start with botany, it's really a structured science. I mean, I'm, I took social sciences when I was in undergrad for college. And there was a very big discrepancy among social sciences and the hard sciences. With the hard sciences like zoology, botany, there's just so much rote learning, so much memory, but there's so much structure. Provided that uh, Professor Amoroso took um, bot botanical taxonomy or a similar subject, but you know, it tells you the order and hierarchy of things. So you can have a big avenue, it becomes a small street, it leads to a barangay, to a purok, to a city. So those are the that's the, the those are the magnitudes that you have to consider when you're learning about these things. And what I learned from botany is that even if there are out of these world out of these world terminologies like teridophytes, you know, out of this world, you just have to know what the Latin root word means for you to know what the later what the definition later on would coincide with so for me to be a doctor 
I have to know a little about botany because botany will tell me how to use a microscope. And before you go to zoology, you have to go to the more basic science, which is botany. So it seems to be the foundation of everything. And the animal cells will have a more complicated structure to the plant cell, but it doesn't make the animal cell superior to the plant cell. There are many things that we adapted from plants. And if you look at one fern genus, which was mentioned, Silotum, Silotum is a vascular fern, meaning it's the living puzzle. There's no leaf, no root, uh, but it propagates on its own. So you think, you think about that as an adult stem cell. And if you put a specific growth factor in it, it can become a heart cell. It can become a bone cell. It can become a liver cell. So, you know, when he talks about these specialized structures in the fern, I get to relate it to my own field when I get to treat patients or teach students the basic sciences behind how the human body works. And it's really beautiful. Because in the end, you try to make sense about all these things, but with the super specialization that you go into, you're meant to help other people and teach. That's why you're not a general practitioner. I don't look down on general practitioners. They are the bedrock foundation of our healthcare frontliners. But you also need the super specialists to be able to, to absorb what these frontliners judge. And you have Professor Amoroso, definitely teaching all us generalist students into what specific field we want to get into. So you have many super specialists as teachers, as a student. You just have to choose which gem of a professor is very applicable to you, or you have that professor show you that this is what the subject is. Because in the end, I'm not here to force you to be this kind of professional. I'm just here to show you the way that, hey, you might be interested in this. Why not try it out? Thank you, Chicken. Yeah, it's that's interesting. That point of view of just the correlation between like botany and and your practice and just studying medicine in general. I mean, it's all I guess sciences then. So I guess that's it's another easy way of um, finding that correlation. Um, speaking of of like mentors earlier, Ika Russell, like did you? <laughs> I I don't want to you know fray away uh, go away from the topic of ferns, but maybe. You know, we're we're talking about inspiration and following these threads. Like, how how about you and Joe? Then after after Russell Baca, you guys can mention. Was there who was that Dr. Victor Amoroso in your life? What? Bakit <laughs> <laughs> my existential question? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's it's interesting. You see, Miss Abney Chinkin, na do you look for a professor that would show you an interesting topic, or do you? look for an interesting topic for you and look for a professor that will show it to you. Diba? Parang, for me, um, what happens, what, what's been happening is that um, I've, I've met a few mentors here and there or at least like, you know, uh, veterans in the profession in communications and health communications. Um, but they also have um, a different perspective and mindset compared to what we have now because comms is so fast changing compared to like the scientists with like, you know, the structures are there, the fundamentals are there and it rarely changes. For comms, it 
kind of changes a lot. So I could have a mentor who's just 20, 25 years older than me, but has a totally different perspective in what I'm doing right now. So um, it's, it's hard, I mean, to, to, to find like an exact person, a person who can, you know, help you technically um, in, in, in just a couple of topics you're interested in. But I think, I mean, I guess communications, uh, the fundamentals should be the same still, um, but the approaches or the tactics could be different. So Ahoran, I, I am also very open to having peer mentors. If they don't have to be much older than me, I'm open to people who are just a little bit younger than me, a little bit older than me, or a little bit more experienced. And, and learning from them kasi parang mas malapit yung experience namin. So, um, yeah, but but in general, I mean, just having someone you can bounce off ideas with and totally and then understand where you're coming from, it, it really helps and, and have a different perspective um, compared to, to your own you know, worldview. Could, could give you a fresh could give you fresh ideas so i mean i'm, I'm all for it um kahit right now i mean everything's virtual and it's, it's hard to connect then so yeah i consider my i consider joe as one of my unofficial mentors yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in ngo oh okay yeah because ngo didn't see Speaking of How Joe, about you, Joe? Ikaw, Joe, in terms of, I mean, you're, you're, you have your food forest. I'm sure you have people that you kind of go to for information about plants in general or in general, maybe a mentor in, in the NGO sector. I don't know. Um, I know. Thank you, Rosella. <laughs> but I love that idea of I know, peer mentors. I think, especially because now we have you know, we have access to pretty much everyone who chooses to share whatever they know, um, especially online, but we can really learn a lot from even people we don't know in person. Um, I think uh, from, from when I was younger, I mean, I've been you know, to the NGO sector, the arts, and then now permaculture. So it's like a lot of fields. I think my tendency has always been to uh, learn from a lot of people and then process that within myself and then, you know, come out with something, uh, combining all that knowledge and wisdom. Um, they're, they're like everybody, I think, that, you know, that I get to talk to about the things I'm interested in. I learn something from them, right? I think, I don't think I have like that one person talaga that, you know, is like the ultimate mentor. But, you know, my first boss in San Francisco, Gail Kong, I mean, if I have like, if I need advice about um, NGO stuff, career stuff in that field, like she's always the first person that comes to mind um, for me to ask. Um and, you know, my kids, <laughs> I learn a lot from them. Seriously, I mean, motherhood has turned my world upside down in a good way. You know, it's just like everything I knew before motherhood, 
I had to question and all that. And I think that's, you know, that's mentorship in like a very natural way. I think in a broader sense of things, I think you are the product from all the mentors, you know, each single faculty in grade school, high school, in your undergrad, and then you sort of become specialized in the field. If I were to look at it differently, if I were not a specialized uh, physician, I actually can't see myself in another position as what I do now. Because clearly, when I was young, I had options. Like, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon or I wanted to be a urologist. But it seemed, it, it was, it seemed to be in line with anything that had to cut or, you know, touch the human body. But there are fortuitous events that happen in your life that will derail you from where you expect it to be and where you land there will be mentors for you. So whether it's a positive or negative experience, I think it's really a combination of all these mentors. So it's very difficult to pinpoint a name, but definitely you will have a name as you specialize deeper in the end of things. I guess I think it like I think it would be nice if you have like that one person like in movies Devana just changes your yeah. life. But I don't know how often that happens, Dubai. Like, I, Shemper, we have our parents, and then Chinkin's mom has taught me so much about cooking. You know, I never cooked before. <laughs> but, you know, we meet people and they teach us so many things. I think it's just being open to, to learning. So it's important also. Yeah, that's true. I guess with that said, with, you know, Dr. Victor, having been doing what he's doing for many years, we can only imagine how many people, how many students he has influenced throughout his life. I wanted to go back to you, Joe, again about the pako. How, how did you start growing that? Like, I, for some reason in my head, I don't know why, ferns are hard to grow. I don't know how many plantitos and plantitas are, who have ferns now, who are listening. I don't know if that's a statement you agree with ikaw joe i mean you have your food forest there you, you don't have them in pots maybe that's a factor um how did you start growing the pako so the pako i first had it here in bacolod na and it was uh so we got it from the market no probably this was like maybe five years ago four years ago and it was just it was a taste that reminded me of the earth like i felt like when i ate it it's like you know, this is something from the earth. Like, na parang yours, you feel so connected. And and then when I started learning about permaculture, and permaculture is all about perennial plants. Uh, so I researched, like, what are the perennial plants that I can grow? And one of the things that came up was the pako. But yun nga, it's true. When I first um, was reading up about it, I'm like, parang this is going to be hard to grow. Like it would only grow in the mountainside, like or in the mountains or something. But when I asked our local nursery here if they had some, they did. <laughs> they had some for sale. So I just planted them in the shade, like um what Dr. Vic said, in the shade. Tapos it took a while for them to establish. Pero after one rainy season, you I, I saw them, they were growing. Tapos, summer came, they died out a bit. 
and then another rainy season yun madami nang the things that you can harvest the the young what do you call those the fronds <laughs> The, the fiddleheads. fiddleheads. Pero, yeah. The end portion. Yeah. The young shoots. Yeah. So, so yun. But, but, I think, I think they're possible to grow talaga. And, basta you have a shaded area that's, that gets water. Yeah. Yeah. Professor Amoroso had a really nice tanong tip for that. When you choose a plant, you should have a plant that does not have a sophisticated ecological requirement. So, if you have the tip from the nursery, which Professor Amarasa mentioned, must be mm. shady, must have moisture. Yeah. And then he builds up saying that there are other species that don't need moisture. They need yeah. total, you know, rainfall or it has or to be wet, has all, to be wet, wet like all the, the time. Apat, apat. Yeah. yeah. So it actually excited me that we have so many plant varieties. But at the same time, it also made me cringe and, you know, become fearful that, you know, those resources can be pillaged in the forest. And then as a good teacher, even without asking, he answered completely that they have this Center for Biodiversity. They work with the indigenous peoples. The IPs would complain that we're just protecting and protecting. And then eventually they adapt to help make it sustainable or make products out of these things. And in the end, you really want someone there taking care of that. And you know what better place to be in Mindanao where all those mountains or all those natural resources are. Yeah, you bring up a good point that he's part of this center, um, the Center for Biodiversity Research and Extension in Mindanao or SEBREM. Um, so it, it's really good that Dr. Vic has this there. Uh, <clears throat> I inquired in, in the interview, uh, as you all probably heard, that it, you, you can actually visit it if you're in Mindanao. You can visit there. I'm sure they have their own set of restrictions, so probably just follow up with the school. Um, but that's our hope. That's definitely, as with all the other people we've interviewed, we want to see there, you know, hopefully one day, you know, soon um, the lockdowns are on and off. But, um, um, and as I've mentioned before, I've always been interested in how Indigenous people, you know, are tapped and their knowledge is tapped. So it was nice to hear um, Dr. Amoroso mention how they were, it's kind of, he, he even mentioned it's an, ex an exchange of knowledge um, and in return, um, a lot of these, these groups, they get to learn about, you know, they have their own knowledge, but what about the current laws in place that dictate how to protect these areas? You know, uh, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of people, let alone IPs, don't have access to that or even are barred from even knowing what this is. So, and on top of that, there's the protection that they're sharing this information, but they're also sharing about the economic value and how these people can also make an income. So that's what's great about SEBREM. I just hope that there's more organizations, more institutes like these, like this, like these all over the country, you know, and it's academe led and there are universities all over the country. So hopefully um, maybe um, we could tap more of these folks and see what they're doing locally in these other areas. Yeah, I was wondering if the way he talked to you was his teaching voice. Because you can have teachers who can be, you know so different from how they teach in class to how they conduct a small group discussion. I felt that he was talking to you as if it were a small group discussion, but I really would want to be interested in knowing how he'd be teaching in an auditorium or whatnot. Because, you know, part of the enjoyment of being a student is listening to how a teacher teaches. 
Ikaw, is this your teaching voice? Oh, no, Or not at all. What's your teaching voice? Oh, very different. <laughs> <laughs> I think my students are okay with that. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, I, I learned a lot from him. Um, if you compare him with other professors, he's not as lively, but you know, the content is there and the love for the work is there. And those are the two most important things you have to look out for, for a really good mentor. And, you know, I was just really excited at thought of, you know, being a student and listening to him in class. Mm-hmm. And if I do get to teach and bring the family to Mindanao, I'd, I, I would think that Central Mindanao University would be a place to visit. And, yeah. you know, seeing how they put the spores in freezers, that's one thing that interests me. Yeah. yeah. Sama kami dyan. Sama kami dyan. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it really is interesting also, like how, yeah, if, if this is not his the teaching voice, goat and goat, parang, I, I still feel like for an anti-antist like me, na parang this is simple enough language for me. And I really, really appreciate that. And even with the tanong tips about, you know, um, propagating from spores and not from wildlings, how it's different or how it changes, or even with the different species, parang you have to know that some are critically endangered and some are not, etc. And of course, the way they're like engaging the IPs is... I think for me is best practice and what we've been looking for, right? You've been looking for like a scientist who works with IPs and this is, Dr. Vic is awesome. I mean, that's kind of like two birds and one stone. And yeah, um, I'm wondering if it's acad- academe-based, university-based, do they get their funding from um, universities, I guess? But, you know, if I hope there are more centers or institutes like this, no? Um, are there other biodiversity um, centers or institutes similar to, to Sebren? I'm, I'm sure there are. I remember there was one in Zamboanga. They, they Zamboanga. had their mangrove, mangroves naman yung focus nila doon and other aspects of biodiversity. I forget the name of it, what it was in Katanim uh, School. Sorry. I think biodiversity would be all over the country. We would have, I'm, I'm sure in Negros Island, we do have through maybe Talarak and uh, other institutions. But I, I, I really took pride with what Professor Amoroso mentioned about what he called the, his, fern, his fern institute. There's a term for it, like a herbarium. Like, okay, but his institution or his uh, specialized facility for ferns, no one has it else. No one else in the Philippines has it but him. And he said na, he was proud of that. Parang, kulo na lang, konting yabang ko lang, ako lang may ganito. And rightfully so, you know, if you have it, you don't have to flaunt it, but you have to say that, you know, I had this, I produced this, and because I have this, I have students who will be able to cultivate and propagate that knowledge. Uh, in the classroom, you'd always be saying that, you know, may, what if these walls can talk? You know, all these legendary stories that happened within the classroom. But I also want to ask, what the forest has seen or what Professor Amorosa has seen in the forest, you know, has he seen like a 500-year-old tree, you know, um, bathed in firefly light or something like that. But those are amazing things that he's seen and I want to witness that as a student. It, you know, reawakening, it, it reawakens 
something wishful, something that is present in our reality, but we just don't have access to. Yeah, that's true. And if you're in, if you're lucky enough to have someone like Dr. Amoroso who will kind of like show you, and if you're lucky enough to be there in Mindanao and to see it yourself, like you said, Chicken, that'll that'll inspire you hopefully to help in conserving, you know, uh, what's left of what uh, people are trying to do. So, and it kind of reminds me also of this. I don't know if it's a meme or kind of a quote that goes around on the internet that says like if our kids don't see nature, they, they won't be able to protect it or they don't know how to protect it. And before this recording, we're just talking about kids not being able to go out and not see nature. And we've lost two years to this pandemic. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not a kid, but I've been longing to be out there seeing the trees and, and all these ferns reminded me of our trip to Pinto where we saw Apatapat and all these huge, there's even, he mentioned about the staghorn ferns that we saw also in uh, Pinto, the, the something nest that we also saw in one of the, the huge trees in uh, Pinto Museum, Arboretum. And yeah, we're just, um, yeah, we, I mean, it's, if we ever, gonna be in uh, in, in Mindanao soon. I mean, this is one of the places we, we want to go to. And yeah, thanks for the inspiration for Dr. Victor Amoroso. It's really, in just 30 minutes, you've really sparked something in us. And, um, you know, made us realize that we can, we can be really passionate about one thing and, and be the best at it and kind of continue inspiring other people um, about our, our great biodiversity here. So. Thank you, Dr. Vic. Dr. Vic. Thank, Thank you. you, Dr. Vic. Dagang salamat. From Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosal. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep, Keep planting. planting. Intro music is Siesta by Jazar. <laughs>